You are listening to Beyond the Verse, a Star Citizen podcast. A show dedicated to Cloud Imperium games, Star Citizen and Squadron 42. Whether you fight, explore, unite, and or trade, we bring you news, updates, interviews, reviews, and analysis. So sit back, relax, grab yourself a pour of Radagast, and join us as we go Beyond the Verse. Launch sequence activated. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Beyond the Verse Star Citizen Podcast with your host, Solus. On today's episode, we are going to be getting into some news throughout the week from a CitizenCon release date uh, to patch 322.1 coming live last night, the roadmap roundup. But we will spend the majority of our time talking about the drama that was the Idris starting on Monday and ending this morning. So this is Friday. This morning they dropped Capture the Idris. Um, it is a in-game event that I can't wait to get into with you on this show. Um, and then we'll end with Inside Star Citizen, as I always provide that for you, um, for your listening uh, experience. So I look forward to getting into this. We have a lot of work to get into. Let's get started. So first, I want to go to from the community. Um, in episode 46, we asked, what are your thoughts on non-armistice behaviors at distribution centers? How will this impact the game for you? And initially, it started a little bit of a debate online. I had a few individuals um, who either are part of Griefernet or were part of Griefernet. And of course, the initial response is, you know, people don't fully understand PvP. Uh, If things don't go their way, they get upset and call out people for quote unquote griefing. First off, before I get into the responses from the community, I want to make my stance very, very, very clear. Yes, you've got PvE casuals, you've got PvE sweaties whenever there's raids and everything else, but for the most part, PvE is casuals. Then you got kind of a mix in PvP where you've got some casuals who like to dabble in it. Um, and you've got this hardcore uh, PvP world base. And, and everything in Star Citizen that is wrapped around the PvE PvP model. I'm all game about. I fully support every game loop and it being pure chaos. So when I look at distribution centers and I see a PVP element and, um, you know, they were talking about this unaggressive or aggressive unlawful having to go and kill NPCs or VIPs um, and it might get in your way if you're doing things in the distribution center. I fully support it. 100% support it. It is when the the game loops are prevented from happening, not because of another game loop, but because of sabotage. It's that sabotage that is where I draw the line. If there's no game loop supporting, like if you're going outside of piracy, if you're going outside of killing a VIP, and all you're doing is preventing, you know, a casual or maybe a softcore PVPer from doing literally anything, they can't get out of their hangar, that is where I draw the line. So I just wanted to make myself very clear Let's go to the comments. And if you kind of sense my uh, sense of urgency, we have a lot to get through. So I'm just going to read quickly through the quotes uh, and then we'll get on to the rest of the episode. But I 
do want to do my due diligence and highlight these comments for those that have engaged in the Spotify Q&A and polls. So the first response from TJ, quote, there is room for more secure outposts in the future, but I think they are hoping for interaction between players. No better feeling than getting away with the goods, end quote. Again, 100% agree. This universe is going to be so vast that... Right now, with a server cap of like 100 to 150, it might be rare that you come in contact with another person, especially when they launch Pyro, right? You're gonna Pyro and Stanton, maybe the you know server meshing will happen and you'll have a lot more people than 150. <clears throat> Excuse me. But um, it, it might be rare that you see another person. Fast forward when they launch Terra and some of these other you know universes. I like the idea of funneling and pushing people towards a node um, and driving that interaction. Love it. All right, let's go to the Wondering Marauder. Quote, I like the idea, but there needs to be sufficient security such that non-aggressive lawfuls aren't automatically dead upon arrival anytime the aggressive decide to show up. End quote. I think that goes in the same sentiment that I started this conversation out with. Absolutely. Right? You don't want to you don't want to block aid somebody from just playing the game um, unless there is a purposeful loop that makes it happen from a nick quote it can be a great way to have different kinds of players interact differently with each other there's also an opportunity for the more lawful people to stave off such players for the locations end quote agreed groza quote as long as i can carry a knife i'm happy end quote and that's kind of an inside joke groza is one of our um org members and soul provision and for some reason we are all frightened to be anywhere near groza because his knife um accidentally comes out and stabs people in the back and throats so uh so there's that so good hearing from you groza the last quote from a dakota riley quote having a mix of all player types in one place can be a healthy experience for the game so everyone can find ways to interact with each other and make these centers more dynamic always come prepared for a fight 100 percent. if you're having issues team up join an organization so provision is always welcoming we are always doing something every night uh it would be great to have a security element part of what you're trying to accomplish all right let's move on to the polls from episode 46 i asked how do you identify as a gamer and star citizen again they uh, discussed the aggressive lawful non-aggressive lawful aggressive unlawful and non-aggressive unlawful so what a perfect poll i think that would um that was a great one and it got a lot of responses uh, but let's go through the winner so 50 percent 50% of those who voted identify themselves as non-aggressive lawful. I would probably th say that that is the majority. Those are your casuals, right? They're, they're going by the law. They're doing their mission loops. They're not really pissing anybody off, whether it be, you know, player characters or non-player characters. Over half or right at half identify themselves as non-aggressive, non-aggressive lawful. Goodness. Uh, second was aggressive lawful. So again, following those game loops as they're supposed to, but maybe they're more you know violent. Um, maybe while they're doing loops, they're also killing uh, everybody else that's involved in that area, right? Um, I identify, I personally identify in the aggressive lawful. Um, I like the spiciness of being aggressive, though I like the game loops that keep me kind of in line, um, personally. And then a tie with 12.5% for the aggressive unlawful and non-aggressive unlawful. And the non uh, the aggressive unlawful, I kind of identify as a, um, 
almost like Red Dead Redemption 2 or Grand Theft Auto Online. Um, those types of players, and, and again, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, just if you go play Grand Theft Auto Online, that is aggressive unlawful. <laughs> it's pure chaos. If you're walking around the streets, you're probably gonna get shot in the face. Um, it's gonna be probably a rough experience for most casual gamers. So I actually really love those Q&A and polls from last episode. I'm kind of sad I'm, I'm rushing through it. Uh, there's a lot of responses I want to give uh, for episode 46, but again, we got a lot to get through. Um, again, we're going to go through this week in Star Citizen. After that, uh, patch 322.1 that launched last night. We'll discuss Citizen Con dates. That's a very short segment. Roadmap Roundup, short segment, straight into a bunch of Idris information. So here we go. This week in Star Citizen, I'm going to share my screen for those of you on YouTube. Um, we're going to read through this a direct quote the red festival 2954 or the lunar new year 2024 is still ongoing until february 26th that is three days from this recording so monday is when it ends as is tradition throughout the uee red envelopes have been hidden across stanton and we're offering a variety of red and gold ship paints to tempt good fortune in the new year ahead the referral bonus is also a great way for your friends and yourself to earn rewards when you refer a friend you can receive a drake dragonfly red alert armor set and undersuit and backpack plus a shotgun for free our teams are working hard on citizen uh, star citizen alpha 322.1 hammering down features squashing bugs and preparing the great event ahead of us read the recent eptu patch notes related to this we have made a change to how the <laughs> evocati patch notes are shared to the members of the community break every single tool that i can find online says evocati but i'm not going to be that guy if all of cig is saying evocati whatever I will adjust. I'm going to assume they know what they're talking about. It is Italian. So I'm going to go with Evocati just to be flexible and adapt to the narrative. Here we go. Back to the article. We will begin to release the Evocati patch notes publicly, allowing everyone to read and discuss their content. Read our announcement for the details, which we did last episode. And more lore for everyone. Learn more about the Anvil Valkyrie and its development. Why do I feel like this is... Oh, this was from last week. Okay, because we already did the Anvil Valkyrie. Now let's see what's going on this week. Roger, tracking. <laughs> okay, Monday, this week in Star Citizen. Wednesday, roadmap update and roundup. Thursday, oh, okay, here we go. Let's just get into the Idris conversation real quick. This is what started it all. So Monday afternoon, this week in Star Citizen article comes out, and you can see on the screen right now for Thursday, February 22nd, the first bullet point says, keep your eyes peeled, the frigate is coming. Okay, so there's really only one frigate that people are familiar with or really um, know a lot about. Um, if you go into the pledge store, into the ship information, the Idris M, well, really the civilian is the Idris P. Um, so the Idris P is defined as a frigate and it's known as the frigate. Um, I have predicted that we'll see the Idris be an ownable flyable ship in 2024 as well as squadron 42, you know, releasing. So when I saw this, I'm like, holy crap, here we go. I didn't say anything like that publicly 
I said it in my soul provision community. I'm like, hey guys, I called this like last year. Uh, but publicly on social media, I was like, hey, what do you think this means? And sure enough, Twitter or X blew up on Monday and Tuesday based off of this one comment, the frigate is coming. So you have a wave of a hopium and I identify as a hopium, you know, player base. But you had the Hopium crew that's like, here we go, Idris, this is going to be the year. Can't wait to fly a capital ship. Then you had the Salties that were like, F you, what are you talking about? Star Citizen sucks, yet I still make content for it. So you had this like back and forth. And then you had me. I actually talked to Space Tomato about this. It makes sense that it would be something based around Xenothreat. So Xenothreat comes in. Um, so it's a gang. If y'all are not familiar with who Xenothreat is, it's a faction or a gang inside of Stanton, but they show up in an Idris. And so what happens is there's like three phases of Xenothreat. Uh, the first phase is like the arrival. The second phase is like the... I believe that's like the cargo running where you had to go to a location and get cargo and transfer the cargo to the Jericho, the USS Jericho, which is a javelin. Then the third phase is an all out aerial battle or space battle with the Xenothreats capital ships or frigates, right? The Idris. So I made the prediction like, okay, well, Xenothreats going to be Friday. So I read this as like Xenothreat's frigate was coming. So you had like three or four, maybe more theories that came out of this. Well, shortly after Zylo or Tyler Whitkin, he's the head of community for CIG, comes out in, I think it was their Discord. Um, the snippet I saw was actually from Spectrum, but comes out and says, look, to set expectations, we are not releasing the player-owned flyable Idris more to come and so I think that shut it down maybe Wednesday uh, ish <laughs> Thursday comes around with the expected Thursday uh, keep your eyes peeled the frigate is coming social media uh, uh, the actual star citizen social media produces a tweet that just says tomorrow this is Wednesday it just says tomorrow with a picture of the Idris so that refired up everybody's anger or surmising um, just for them to come out later that Thursday and say, sorry guys, we're pushing it back until Friday. It's not going to work out right now. And so you had this up and down all week long. So I want you to save that sentiment for here in a couple minutes when we transition into the Idris. But that is the the emotions or that is the temperament that went into this week. And that's why this episode is called Idris. It started so much crap. And so I want to go through what is the Idris, what was discussed, which I basically already just did, and then this new event that did release this morning. And that is also more drama to unfold. So, yay. I'm going to keep sharing my screen. We're going to go straight into the Alpha 322.1 patch notes. So we did an org night last night. Um, I did record it for podcast. I probably won't publish it. Um, because we were going to be doing Xenothreat. Again, we predicted Xenothreat was going to be coming down. So we were going to do Xenothreat. That, of course, was pushed off to Friday. Um, so we transitioned to mining, and then lo and behold, the 13 of us that were in uh, Org Night last night really had no idea what we were doing. I haven't 
Like, I haven't mined since before salvaging came out. It has been such a long time. And that was the case with the majority of us. There was one player, uh, Mechit, who had that experience in the background of, like, which heads to use, how to refine, when to refine. So we got a couple of, like, educational points there. But it was more just exploring. We went out to the Aaron Belt. We went from, like, you know, asteroid to asteroid. We mined a couple of uh, rocks, blew ourselves up a few times. Um, messed up trying to move the mole bags from one mole to another. Uh, learning all of that fun. So it was a great night. I just, it was such kind of a broken and segmented uh, podcast that I think the chaos would be too much for a podcast. Uh, while you're driving, having like five different conversations, it was probably pretty it was pretty chaotic. So I'm gonna save y'all from that and probably produce next uh, org nights. I say all that because yesterday was also the launch of 322, right? So we had all these new items. We had to reset your character. You had to choose your uh, primary residence. So that also takes like 10, 15 minutes of the org night. Um, but let's get into what actually came with your patch 322.1. So the first piece is always, um, you know, look at your shader folder and reset your shader folder. I'm not gonna cover that, I usually do, but I think we're beyond that at this point. Um, Long-term persistence was enabled, so you're gonna keep everything but your consumables, right? Uh, so med pens, ammo rentals, ooh, hold on. Characters in this new environment will be built from LTP data, so items such as med pens, ammo, yeah, ammo rentals and refinery jobs will be lost. So your consumables are lost, like normal. And for those new players, your starting UEC is 20,000. All right, there's a litany uh, of known issues. We're gonna skip through that. That's what they're currently working on uh, on the back end. But here is what launched for 322.1. So feature gameplay. So the grav lev balance updates, right? We know that's gravity levitation, um, the balance updates. So whenever you're driving around, hopefully that goes into some really awesome racing experiences. So can't wait for that to, to actually come to fruition. So grav lev balance updates, distortion temporary changes. Quote, distortion damage has been effectively removed from all items except power plants and dashboards. This is a temporary measure until we rework how distortion damage penetrates vehicle holes. Shields now have a 75% to 95% res resistance against distortion weapons based on power triangle assignment. Updated mining item descriptions in HUD to reference inert material level instead of filtering and added a mild push impulse force on catastrophic shatter of mineables with a smaller force for FPS variants. So those are your features. Fix a lot of bugs. I'm gonna read through this very quickly. The bugs they fixed. Fixed an issue that could cause UEC purchase ships to be lost from LTP after a patch, phenomenal. Right, This LTP bug fix will take effect going into future updates, but not for yesterday's launch of 322.1. This issue was sometimes causing ships that were insurance claimed to become unsaved from the long-term persistence unless the ship was ASOP spawned and then restored into a location. Quickly, UGF elevators should no longer go missing. Fixed an issue causing the cluster elevator to not be present for players exiting prison. Mercury Star Runner AI and HRT Bounty Hunter missions should no longer spawn as civilians. The Perform Treatment text should now appear correctly when using the treatment menu in medical beds. 
fixed an issue causing the target attacker's hotkey to not select the target that is target locking onto you. Fixed an issue causing some hostile AI drop their weapon. Fixed an issue causing some hostile AI to drop their weapons when entering combat. Emitting flares, decoys from large ships should no longer cause massive server hitching. That's frightening. Distortion damage should no longer cause severe performance decreases proportionate to ship size. The Asperia blade should no longer be missing its personal storage. It's probably a good thing. Toggling the engine of ground vehicles should no longer cause the engine FX uh, to play at full volume, even when idle. Fixing the issue causing invulnerable areas around weapons, Sulin hardpoints. The proximity sensor doors on the Drake Corsair should now properly respond to players. Fixing the issue causing the Reclaimer Bridge to fill up with fog when quantum traveling to L wine. That is very specific. Fixed an issue causing the Reclaimer Bridge to fill up with fog when quantum traveling to Mick L1. Okay. The interior ambient machinery audio volume should no longer be overly loud in the Hercules Starlifter. Fixed an issue causing the rock mining laser to not be able to be activated. Fixed an issue causing all energy-based weapons to show 0-0 in ammo count on ships and not be able to fire. Fixed an issue that could cause refinery kiosks to be stuck at signing out. Player tractor beams beams should no longer fail to work on a container if multiple players interact with the same cargo container using a tractor beam at the same time. Players should no longer be able to land ships at the transit platforms of the Lorville Central Business District, blocking access to the entire area. Last, fixed an issue causing the small windmill towers around the derelict settlements to be missing collision. And then five technical fixes. Well, more, but fixed five client crashes, fixed four server crashes, and fixed a server deadlock. So there you go. A lot of bug fixes, not a lot of features. I don't think you're going to get into 322.1 and think, wow, this is you know a brand new game. I'm glad I got into it at this current moment. Um, but again, quality of life, I think that is the main focus you know, for this probably H1 for this half of 2024 is going to be quality of life. Let's get the standard or let's get the game up to their version of gold standard. Okay. Later in the week, we did have a citizen con drop. This was first teased by uh, Tyler. He sends a, a tweet out that says, um, I think it was like tomorrow, uh, news about Citizen Con or something along those lines. He hinted at it on Monday. They released it on Tuesday. Uh, here you go. So it is officially October 19th through 20 with a special event on the 18th. And I think that's an important takeaway. If you're going to try to get the VIP access ticket, go ahead and book your flights to include the night of the 18th. So I believe that's like Thursday the 18th. What is that? Thursday the 18th. There we go. October. No, it's Friday the 18th, Saturday the 19th, Sunday the 20th. Okay. Um, and it's going to be Manchester. So let me just take this opportunity to go ahead and announce I will not be going to this year's Citizen Con. Um, after having just purchased a brand new vehicle, kids, you know, getting into all their after school activities and, you know, 
being a responsible husband, a responsible father, that's an expensive ticket to go from Austin, Texas to Manchester. So I will probably not um, choose to afford. I think we can afford, I think we could budget and make it happen. Uh, I'm choosing not to. I'm gonna prioritize my my money into my family this year and not be going. So I'll do a watch party. I'll be as much engaged as I can. My podcast will still get into each segment of CitizenCon. I will provide that for uh, for listeners and for viewers, but I'll be doing it here from the States. Unless I happen across, you know, $2,000. So here's the website. So save this, bookmark this, robertspaceindustries.com forward slash citizen con. Keep that uh, as like your hub for information. This is what they're going to keep um, updating with like FAQ information, details about travel, things to consider, etc. So if you're looking at my screen, citizen con is 238 days, 18 hours, 31 minutes away. Click this to save a date. Let's read the article. It's very short. CitizenCon 2954 returns to Manchester Central on October 19th through 20, 2024. How do you top our biggest and best CitizenCon to date? You'll have to come to Manchester this October to find out. We're already sure this will be our best one yet. Join us to celebrate CitizenCon 2954, the epic adventures ahead, and the vibrant community that makes it all possible. Here is this quote. Please note, there will be an additional off-site event with extremely limited availability happening on October 18th. More information coming at a later date. And I'll go straight into the Spectrum post. Um, it basically just, it, it's it's that website translated over to Spectrum. So you could choose to follow the discussion on Spectrum or bookmark that other website. And again, I'm like really sad I'm not gonna be able to go, uh, but I think my priorities are in the right area. Um, and I don't know, you're going to get as much information watching it through the stream than you would physically being there, but you can't beat physically being there. I went to this last one, 2953s. It was freaking amazing, but going from Austin to LA is a lot more manageable than going across the world. So for a video game, that's not out yet. Roadmap roundup. All right. So again, we're going to go roadmap roundup. We're gonna get into the Aegis uh, Idris, the information on what it is, why we care, and then we're gonna end with the Capture the Idris event and Inside Star Citizen. So here we go. Roadmap Roundup. Okay, here we go. So happy Wednesday, everyone. Every two weeks, we accompany the roadmap update with a brief explanatory note to give you insight into the decision-making that led to any changes. This is part of an effort to make our communications more transparent, more specific, and more insightful for all of you who helped make Star Citizen and Squadron 42 possible. With that said, let's go ahead and dive into this week's roadmap roundup, the CIG community team. Okay, notable changes. For February 21st, release view, a freight elevators, an update to the freight elevators, quote, as work has progressed on freight elevators, the team has recognized that additional feature work is required to implement summoning vehicles via your hangar. As a result, this specific mechanic will likely come at a later date. Freight elevators and their other related functionalities are still on track for Alpha 323. So I... 
the 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 biggest issue that I've had with ships that don't have a quantum drive, like it's it's a loop in and of itself to like call it, go to a mining facility to call the smaller ship, take that smaller ship and put it inside your larger ship, um, and then do your bounties with like your fury. But otherwise, getting a fury out for a bounty is ridiculous because you can't go from one place to another. It doesn't have quantum drive. This was supposed to fix that. You can do it through your freight elevators in your hangar. You can call a, I don't know, um, a C2. You can call a C2 and put three or four Furies in the back of it or under its belly, and you're good to go. You could quantum travel with your Hercules or your C2 and then have access to your Fury and your Fury MX. Um, this was what I was looking forward to the most. Now, it's not saying it's not happening. It's just not going to be on that initial launch of 323. All right. The following cards have been added to release view, targeting an alpha 323 release window. Some of this is, is probably a repeat of last episode, but here we go. Arena Commander Custom Lobbies. That's huge for content creators who don't want to get griefed and prevented from doing an event. So custom lobbies, Arena Commander Grav Royale, that's your Gravlev um, vehicle racing and vehicle, uh, like a battle arena. That's gonna be exciting. The Arena Commander Engineering Experimental Mode. Hell yes. For Solar Vision, as our org, we are looking forward to the engineering game loops. It's just, it's just fun, and I don't even have to fly. When I get the Idris, I'm gonna love flying the Idris, don't get me wrong. But I'm gonna love if I put somebody else on the captain's seat and I get to explore the damn ship and actually put out fires and move engine components and everything else that's part of this engineering loop. Cannot wait for the engineering experimental mode. Let me in fact just read the quote because I'm still, this is my most excited uh, point in this roadmap update. Quote, three limited test experimental modes featuring the engineering gameplay, also referred to as Resource Network, showcased at CitizenCon 2953, help shape the future of engineering gameplay in Star Citizen by testing and giving feedback to the features and balance showcased in this limited test before it hits the persistent universe. I cannot wait. Last, the Arena Commander new flight map, Miner's Lament. So... Those were added to the roadmap of 323. Like always, let's actually go into the release view. Um, again, I'm sharing my screen for those of you on YouTube. I highly recommend going to roberspaceindustries.com forward slash roadmap forward slash release hyphen view. And this is how you see everything that is tentative for 3.23 or 323. This is tentative for Q2. I'm predicting April. But again, characters, the new character customizer, that's everything that we saw at CitizenCon. Locations, distribution centers, hell yes. Check out last week's episode if you wanna know more. Gameplay, dynamic event blockade runner, looking forward to that. That's like almost a cargo game loop with everything else involved, <laughs> like first person shooter, everything else. Um, Arena Commander, new flight map, Miner's Limit, we talked about that. Uh, Arena Commander Engineering Experimental Mode, Arena Commander Gravel Royale, Arena Commander Custom Lobbies, Personal and Instanced Hangers, yes. Mobile Glass Rework, FPS Loot Screen, FPS Map System, New Missions Cargo Hauling, can't wait. Visor and Lens HUD Rework, Player Interaction Experience, EVA, 
T2, like the second version. Uh, reputation, hostility. Star map rework. Item bank and unique item recovery. Thank God for our subscriber gear or flare. And freight elevators. Ships and vehicles, master modes, which master modes is what Inside Star Citizen is all about. And that'll be aired at the end of this episode. But master modes, that's a debate in and of itself. <laughs> Weapons and items, dynamic crosshair. And last, the core tech, replication layer update. So there you go, a reminder of what all is going into 323. We've probably said, discussed said all of this in every episode so far in 2024, but another reminder for 323. Here we go, the Idris. Alrighty, um, I've already told you what sparked this conversation during this week. There's another dynamic that you need to know that CIG has always said that the Idris will come out with Squadron 42. They were kind of synonymous, hand in hand. You couldn't have the Idris come out last year without Squadron 42 coming out, right? So there's this there's this dynamic. That's why on Beyond the Verse podcast, when I had Space Tomato on, I predicted the Idris and he said, oh, you must also think squadrons coming out it's why he asked that line of questioning yes that has always been the case i've never heard any deviation from that um, so there's that dynamic right you're not going to get idris without the squadron 42 however it is important to note that the interior has been being worked on since like last year. Last year, I noticed that when you would blow up an Idris or if you got close enough to an Idris, you could see like maybe the MPUV. Um, I think we saw one blow up with an MPUV that, that popped out. That's important because it's going to come with an MPUV. Um, the interior, you could see like the back of the cargo. You could see inside um, and that's new. You could always glitch into the pilot seat and fly the Idris, uh, but it was a glitched kind of a horrible experience, but you could take over an Idris. But the interior has been worked on, and now we have this event called Capture the Idris, which you, you board. You board a developer ran Idris to take it over, but you board it. So the interior is essentially done. We are so close. I've always said that Squadron 42 is coming out this year. Right, and this is stupid, but because it's 2024, you rotate the 24 and make it 42. Eh, it's like a marketing marketing opportunity right there. Um, every indicator that I'm looking at, we announced that our CIG announced that it was going in the polishing phase last year. We are so close to all the indicators saying that Squadron 42 is coming. I think Squadron 42 is the theme of CitizenCon, and it's going to be a launch party. We're going to see Squadron 42 this year, in my humble opinion which means we're going to see the Idris. <laughs> so I, I think this is a good time. Uh, if you're a listener, a patron of Beyond the Verse, this is the camp you're at. This is the camp that you're listening to. Is I think this is all a, a ploy, not in a negative way, but it's all ploy to get people in the Idris, to see how they interact with the Idris. And once you take it over from the developers, that's your Idris until you blow up or until it goes away. But you're able to hold on to that Idris with the interior and flying it around, etc. So we are so damn close. 
well, what is the Idris? Why is it so important? I'll take a I'll take a first crack at it and try to simplify why I think this is important. It's a capital ship. And right now, the only capital ship we have is the 890 Jump. So the 890 Jump's the biggest ship in the game. Well, you could argue like the Reclaimer size-wise. Size-wise, the Reclaimer, I believe, is larger. But the 890 Jump um, is the largest, most spacious, most things you can do and most staff you could put on. Um, it is a an amazing, amazing ship. Well, it's still not an Idris. It's a luxury ship that kind of has really no function right now. It can hold up in combat, but the VIP transport is not a game loop yet. So the, or, the Origin A90 Jump, you kind of have to put that on a shelf. So this capital ship that everybody's excited about is the Idris. It's this um, I mean, you've seen it if you've played any of these Xenothread events uh, or some of these bounty hunting missions that end with, you know, the Idris as being a, your main, your main uh, target. Um, but the Idris is this large ass uh, capital ship that's supposed to bring a, a new level of gameplay to combat, right? Right under that is like the hammerhead. So if you have flown in, in an like a hammerhead, it's what's called a Corvette. It's a little bit smaller than a frigate, um, larger than you know a gunship. So a Corvette is like your um, supplemental support gunship to most frigates. So like usually you would have an Idris with like maybe two hammerheads. The hammerhead is really awesome. It's large. I think it was six turrets. You have the four. I think it's six. You have the four on the sides. You have one on top, one on the bottom rear. Um, so you have six turrets. Again, the Idris has, if you upgrade to the Idris K, has a massive size 10 cannon, multiple uh, turrets. You've got a freaking gun range, a rifle range um, on the Idris. Prison setup. It, there's a lot that you can do on this Idris. Well, what is it? So first I wanna go through Aegis Dynamics and, it's, and talk about how the fall of Messer kind of transferred their efforts from the military to civilian, and that's how we have the Idris P um, and what that means for the future of Aegis and the future for what we're doing in the Idris. So as always, I'm gonna go straight to the source. I'm not gonna to go to um, another person's content central. However, I will pivot this one time and go to starcitizen.tools or the wiki. Good friends of the show, love them to death. Um, I wanna reference their content uh, to discuss the Idris M, Idris P, and the Idris K. But first, straight to the horse's mouth, the Galactopedia Aegis Dynamics article. Here we go. Aegis Dynamics is a human spacecraft manufactured based on Cestalus, or Deviant 2. Because it manufactured a majority of the military ships used by the UEE during the Messer era, it's ending in 2792, the company became synonymous with the fascist regime of the time. After the fall of the Messers in 2792, Aegis Dynamics faced massive public backlash, losing its military contracts, suffering massive layoffs and internal restructuring. Relegated to producing parts, the company avoided bankruptcy when civilian cells jumped on the redesigned retaliator bomber. 
Today, the company is a major manufacturer of both civilian and military crafts. So that's important that that transition and a lot of the manufacturers did this as well, but taking their military endeavors and creating civilian versions. And so let's actually talk about the military version of the Idris, the Idris M. The Idris M is a frigate manufactured by Aegis Dynamics. It lends its name to the standard line of frigates in the UEEN. Idrises, 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 Idrises are larger than traditional corvettes, but smaller than destroyers like the Javelin and destroyer escorts. They can be found in most active battle group formations in the human military. In addition to typical capital weaponry, Idris-class ships maintain a flight deck and a small spacecraft detachment. Several variants, including the Idris P, civilian, and the Idris K, civilian with like a massive size 10 cannon, have been made available to the general public. Let's get into the Star Citizen wiki. That's starcitizen.tools. Again, great friends of the show. Shout out to them. Go check out their website. They source or they cite all of their sources. And so as you know, Beyond the Verse, I'm very meticulous about the data that I share with you. It always comes from the horse's mouth. So if I reference starcitizen.tools, I have looked at their citation and made sure that it lined up. So I guarantee you in these next three articles, this is legitimate information. So the Idris M, this is the, uh, I'll just read it again. It lends its name to the standard line of frigates in the UEN. Idrises are larger than traditional corvettes, but smaller than destroyers and destroyer escorts. They can be found in most active battle group formations in the human military. They are used for everything from long duration patrols to scouting dangerous jump points to interdiction. This is new information. In addition to typical capital weaponry, Idris class maintains a flight deck and a small spacecraft attachment of two medium fighters and one Argo MPUV in a dedicated bay. So they took the Galactopedia and added just a little bit more information in it. They go through the lore. Uh, so beginning in 2545, they do the prototype in 2549, uh, and then they reference, so they transition into the Idris P. So the Idris P is what we're gonna be flying in Star Citizen. It is the civilian model. The Aegis Idris P, or the Peacekeeper, is a variant of the Idris frigate developed for the UEE Patrol Services, or CDF, Civilian Defense Force. It has sacrificed less armor, has a smaller front gun turret, and has removed the missile turret system for additional cargo capacity and speed. It also doesn't come with the infamous spinal mount gun as standard. It can carry two medium fighters in its main hangar as, standard comp as a standard complement, plus an Argo MPUV and a dedicated bay so here here's the deal with the idris you can buy the idris p during events like um invictus launch week and iae the intergalactic aerospace expo you can also get it now during the capture of the idris um event which we'll get into here in a couple of seconds but it's a limited whole ship you get the idris p and then once you get the Idris P, the pledge store has a new item unlocked for you called the aftermarket kit, the Idris aftermarket kit. 
which basically transfers your Idris P into an Idris K. It comes with new anti-defense um, or anti anti-ship turrets. It comes with a anti um, Oh, well, size 10 cannon. I don't know what else to call it. Size 10 cannon in the front that an Idris is basically known for. Upgraded turrets, all with lifetime insurance, which is important for your components to have lifetime insurance as well as your ship. So let's get into the Idris K. The Aegis Idris K is an aftermarket special edition of the Idris P that features additional equipment tailored to dealing with the swarm threat of carrier type ships. Compared to the Idris P, the Idris K has an additional size 10 laser beam four-point defense turrets that replace the remote turrets, and a missile turret that replaced a manned turret. Both Idris P and Idris M can be converted to this variant using the aftermarket kit. It can carry two medium fighters in its main hangar as standard equipment, plus an Argo MPUV in a dedicated bay. So before I get into the capture of the Idris event, um, I, I am thoroughly looking forward to the Idris. Yes, the Javelin is going to be more sexy. Yes, the Perseus and Polaris are going to be amazing RSI ships uh, that are basically the Idris. Um, I, the, the Idris for me is important. Once you get this capital ship up and running, org gameplay is going to be amazing um, in this ship. It's going to feel like a true organization ship. And hopefully by the time we get this, we'll have, you know, spawning up and running our persistent entity streaming with server meshing. Um, it would be great if your organization, like on a Wednesday, could all get into the Idris, fly to a location, bed log. And then like Thursday night happens for org night, everybody logs in straight into the Idris. It would just be an amazing experience. Like real, I say real life, we're up in space, but a real uh, expected experience. And so the Idris for me is that first ship release that's going to break into the true simulation of what we're doing in this game, again, from an org perspective. So this morning happens. <laughs> again, yesterday they, they said, you know, hey, sorry about it not coming to fruition. Uh, the Idris M will come to life tomorrow. So they pushed it to Friday this morning before I started recording. I recording I did check and it is live. So this event, it's fresh. I haven't even really read the article yet. It's that fresh. So let me get into sharing my screen. Here we go. Capture the address. I'll show you the website first, Spectrum second, and then we'll end the show with Inside Star Citizen. So here we go. First off, gorgeous gorgeous ship i uh first off i took this image this image was first released on i think it was wednesday with the tomorrow post but it was like cocked to the side and it wasn't centered i heard a lot of people say man i really wish this was centered so i could make it my wallpaper i spent probably 30 minutes to an hour yesterday making 10 to 15 different versions and canvas sizes of this image for the community and it it blew up there's like six thousand impressions 40 or 50 likes um go check it out on on, on beyond the verse socials uh, but you can find this as a wallpaper for your downloading perusal but here we go this is it it's freaking gorgeous and if i scroll down there's a massive ass cannon on the bottom and that thing rips through 
other ships. It's amazing. Capture the Idris. Crew up for capital class chaos. And chaos it will be. I'll get into my reaction in just a second. Last October, we had a blast engaging with all of you in an epic chase to secure the legendary Anvil FHC Lightning. So as we get into the midst of what promises to be Star Citizen's biggest year yet, we're heading back into the verse with a bang. The kind of bang you only get from the massive railgun at the bow of a mighty Idris M, some of which were crewed, and, uh, crewed by a geared up band of our developers. That's right, we're offering you a fresh look at capital ship gameplay and the nearly finished Aegis Idris interior. But you'll have to take it from us first, and we aren't going down without a fight. More pictures of its sexiness. Just look how big that freaking cannon is. This is like two scale, right? This is two scale. So you take these humans that I'm kind of using my mouse to highlight. Look how big that damn size 10 cannon is it's frightening and i love it seek and subdue between february 23rd which is today day of the recording and february 27th keep an eye out for the idris war game mission for the chance to capture and control an idris for as long as you can as mentioned above some of these behemoths will be fully crewed by our developers and they're hungry for a fight Rally your crew and see if you can take them down and then fend off attackers from your new capital class throne for as long as you can. Uh, do I get into my reaction now or later? Let me just repeat this real quick and then I'll get into my reaction in a second. But quote, some of these behemoths, some, will be fully crewed by our developers and they're hungry for a fight. I'm going to let that resonate. I'll come back to it. Show us what you got. What's more, throughout the duration of the event, we're giving away an Idris M. <laughs> oh, that's that's $1,500 worth of a ship. We're giving away an Idris M along with other highly prized ships to the crew that creates the coolest 10 second clip of their Idris conquest. Whether you show us your crew gearing up for the mission, flying information to prepare for attack, bantering en route, taking the ship, or going down in a blaze of glory, the most creative submission will capture an Idris for good. There's also another way to compete. The pilot who controls an Idris the longest will be crowned the ultimate infiltrator and fly home in an Idris M of their own. We'll go into the contest details in just a second. All right, so here's here's the interior of the Idris. And again, I highly encourage you listening on podcast to go check out the website. There are some renderings of the garage, right? The belly of, of the Idris. Um, I mean, there's, I don't know, it's nothing really to write home about. It's it's a garage. It's a hangar. Um, but you'll get an idea of the, of the design language they're going with with the Idris. All right, here we go. Limited stock of the Idris P will be released in three waves. Wave one is today, February 23rd, at 1600 UTC. Wave two is February 24th at 0 hundred hours UTC. Wave three is February 24th at 0 0800 UTC. So let me do something real quick. Time.gov. 
Right now it is 1500, 1534 UTC. So 1534 UTC. So the first wave is happening in 26 minutes. There you go. The first wave is happening in 26 minutes. That's insane, but that's your chance to get the Idris P. There's also cap ship stoppers. So capital ship uh, vehicles that are known and designed to destroy capital ships. You've got nine of them going into the pledge store. You got the Ares Inferno, the uh, Carrick, which I don't know why the Carrick is considered a capital ship destroyer. The Cutlass Blue, which is an interceptor. The Gladius, the Hawk. Here's your Idris P. The Mantis, the Scorpius and Taurus, the Vanguard Sentinel. So there you go. As well as weapon and armor offers, here's your Ascension Kits, which are amazing silver and gold color scheme um, armor. That's beautiful. And then you've got the Red Alert armor as well. The Warbond upgrade offers the RSI Mantis. It's a great ship. Really, it's known for its quantum dampener, uh, or its EMP quantum dampener. That's your Warbond upgrade. You also have an Anvil Hawk Warbond upgrade. Hawks are great. Um, and then you've got, which the picture is missing on the website. That's awesome. Then you've got the Aegis Vanguard Sentinel. So this is the main page with all the information that you need. It, you can click, you know, link to links. They're nested within this website, but I've already opened up the Spectrum. Let's go straight into the Spectrum post uh, that it involves the Idris video contest. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I let me just tell you what the what the commotion is right now. Um, here is your content creator popularity contest. It's going to go to somebody who regularly edits videos and creates content for Star Citizen. I can't imagine Jim Bob, who might be an amazing you know shooter or flyer, uh, Susie Q, who's amazing. Uh, I can't imagine them going and all of a sudden creating something that's so freaking amazing. They did this during um, the F8C lightning event as well. It's like it's like a popularity contest, and I hate I hate saying that, but it ends up being that way. It's a video contest. So like my brother could never could never win this. There's no way he could ever win this. Most gamers in Star Citizen could never win this. So the opportunity is going to content creators and that's fine. Like the marketing, I, I get the marketing aspect of this. Um, the interior is going to be all over TikTok. It's going to be all over, you know, Twitter and Instagram. Like this is how they're getting free advertising, right? They're not having to pay anybody because this content is going to be done for them. So I get, I, I get why, trust me, I get why. Right, we do it in Amazon Game Studios as well. Trust me, I get it. It just doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good that this is yet again another contest that gives no chance of winning to somebody who doesn't edit videos regularly. Let's go to the Spectrum article. A flurry of frigates have uh, entered the Stanton system, many of which are fully crewed by the Firecrest crew. Uh, the system has ever seen the fire, the fierce, fiercest, good God, wow, are fully crewed by the fiercest crew the system has ever seen. Our developers, was that okay, y'all? Did we make you sound cool? Taking them down will prove to be quite a challenge. 
and we're sweetening the pot with some prizes. If you happen to cross paths with the UEE's most iconic vessel, you'll have the option to accept the Idris War Game contract in your Moby Glass. We want to see 10 second video clip of your crew, whether you're gearing up for battle, flying in formation, and even boarding the Idris itself. Show us what you got for a chance to win. Prizes. First place, the Idris M. Second place, the Aegis Redeemer. And third place, the Aegis, the Aegis Gladius. More ways to win. Hold it down for the longest time. Um, and that's also how you win the Idris M. Then uh, it has something before you begin. Keep in mind, contest rules, quality, uh, the quality of the video, creativity, rule adherence. Like Again, it gives you everything that you need to know. Real quick, the dates. The submission period will end on Wednesday, March 6th at midnight, 11.59 p.m. This provides you ample time to participate and prepare your submission. Good luck. We can't wait to see you. Uh, your explosive entries. Uh, yeah, so, so the very first, very first post. Streamer event 2.0, like F8C Platinum. Oh my God. So uh, it's, it's not just me. And again, I'm not complaining. I, I, I get the I get the why. I get the why. It's just very diverse. Di, um, not diverse. That's that's the opposite of what I'm trying to go for. Um, it's very uh, polarizing. Let's just go polarizing. I'm gonna end the Idris comments there. I'm gonna stew on it a little bit. Again, this is brand new information. Probably take the day and the weekend really thinking about it. Probably come back next week with a correction. But at this current moment, I'm like shit. You know, that sucks for most people uh, that I know, you know, would, would love for a chance to win a $1,500 ship, right? Inside Star Citizen, here we go. Straight into it, because we got to move. So this is the article, uh, Inside Star Citizen, Masters and Blasters, quote, how will the introduction of master modes ensure that each vehicle provides a unique experience going forward? Join us as we explore the upcoming changes in Alpha 323 that'll transform the future of combat forever. And quickly, before we get into the video, Master Modes is like a love-hate. You either love where it's going or you hate where it's going. Um, it's putting, uh, putting restrictions on the current sweaties that are out there doing great things you know with pvp and being able to fly it's kind of pulling it back and changing the way that they are currently playing and of course that's going to rub some of them raw they have to relearn basically how to fly ships but it's also helping maybe more casuals it's kind of helping them get closer to the fight um, all the details are going to be in this video but it, it's kind of putting flight and in, in combat into a middle ground and so, of course, you're going to piss some people off. You're going to help others. But right now, it's a very polarized moment in the community about master modes. I personally love master modes. It makes sense to me. I, I love everything about this uh, the next 15 minutes. But I'm also not a sweaty PvP, you know, go-getter. Could care less. Like, I suck it. <laughs> I absolutely suck at aerial combat. Um, but I agree with everything that's happening. Or every change that's coming with master modes. Let's get into the video. Probably will let this play out. I'll try to respond where it makes sense. Um, but for time's sake, we'll get through as much as we can get through. So here we go. Sharing my screen for those of you on YouTube. While Star Citizen aims to offer a first-person universe of possibilities, 
At the center of it has always been you and your spaceship. And over the years of development, testing, feedback, and iteration, there have been many changes to the combat and traversal experience. And in the upcoming Alpha 323, the biggest and most anticipated of those makes their presence known with the arrival of master modes. And with that comes additional changes to precision targeting, weapon balance, gimbal use, and more. What are master modes? So Master Roads is a way for us to really kind of capitalize on what the ships are. Basically, Master Modes are a new game feature that uh, change all the combat experience inside the, inside the game. So you have a mode for fighting in and a mode for flying from place to place then. A rework of the flight and combat system to essentially try and solve a lot of the problems that players have had with the flight experience. You can decide if you want to be in full combat mode or you're, you're just in transit or you want to get out of a situation as quick as possible. Fire. Master mode is the thing that makes ship combat exciting and making sure that the ships that you have in the game perform in the roles that we have envisioned for them. Since uh, CitizenCon, we've been bringing master modes into Arena Commander. Progress has been quite good, showing off the new modes and letting people get their hands on it. Collecting the feedback, seeing how players respond to that online by monitoring how players react on social channels. Uh, we've been testing internally a lot. It's a very limited selection of ships, but even so, people seem to like it. So we've taken that feedback and carried on making progress and adapting it all to the rest of the ships as well. We've been watching how players play the game, monitoring analytics, putting it all together and sharing it with the devs who need to see it. How the hell do you know about converting 200 ships to be Unfortunately, there's only really one way to do it, and uh, that's to not get too intimidated by the number. A team effort, we're uh, just cracking for it, really. The difficult part, of course, especially as a designer, is try to uh, understand the new uh, game dynamics that uh, the, the game system creates, especially in an environment like the PU, and then try to be able to deliver the proper game experience for every ship with a, you know, a different tuning. And that's quite difficult, but that's also what uh, is really interesting about bringing up a new feature. So we're moving each individual ship into an archetype, and we're going to rebalance that ship to the archetype as a starting point. And then basically, once that's complete, we're going to add the individuality into each ship. Each ship has been given a full refresh, and we've we've looked at every ship in the game, assigned them a base archetype, so that you know what you're getting into from from the get-go. All ships, based on how big they are and what kind of purpose they serve, will get an archetype type assigned to them. A typical archetype is a snub fighter. Very, very small, very agile, but it cannot dish out a lot of damage and it can also not receive a lot of damage before it pops. Light fighter. Very maneuverable, decent weapon loadout, and it's basically there for agility engagements. Medium fighter. Pretty agile for its size, but it has a lot more offensive firepower. Target destroyed. Heavy fighter. They don't maneuver well, but when you happen to be at the front of them, you can die very, very fast. Now, these are basic tuning archetypes. 
that we have for our fighter ships class, and all ships in that size will be assigned to one of these things. However, based on the ship and what the purpose of the ship is, we have variations of that. For example, we have the interceptor variant of these tunings. This is a tuning variation that can apply to any of these archetypes. An interceptor tuning for a ship means that this ship exchanges the agility. Um, with agility, we mean the rotation rate and the lateral strafing accelerations simply for speed. So they will not be able to turn their velocity vector much. They will not be able to rotate much, but they will be very, very fast just going forward. Racing ships are like the base archetype that almost all racers ended up with so far are interceptors because racers prefer speed over everything else. But you want to pick the right racer for the right track. The other end of the range are our, let's call them fighter bomber tunings. That means we trade agility for simply durability. On top of the fighters, we just keep going with this. We have gunboats for ships that are constellation sized. We have corvettes for something like a, a hammerhead, right? So our, our hammerhead is for us is our anti-fighter corvette. Frigates are basically the biggest ship that players can control in the universe right now. So we're talking Idris, we're talking 890 jumped. I know that Idris players cannot control the Idris, but we're talking uh, ships like the Carrack. Those are frigates, really, really big ones, but also they will have variations in their tuning based on the brand or what the purpose of the ship is. So these are very big changes that are coming, but the main takeaway is that these archetypes are just reference frames for the type of tuning you want to give a ship. It does not mean that every ship that you have in the verse will fit a, a specific archetype. There are ships which are in between. For example, the Saber. Is it a medium or a light fighter? It's somewhere in between. The Cutlass has not the durability of a heavy fighter, has, however, the turret of a heavy fighter, so it's somewhere in between. So there are ships which do not fit exactly into these frames. But this is the beauty of it, because these ships, we can make them fit anywhere where they want. We just need to make sure that the balance between them is right. Not everything fits in a box, and it would be very boring if it did. Precision targeting is a new way of aiming at specific Real quick about precision targeting. Um, unfortunately, if you've played Starfield, it feels like that. It looks like that. You're able to take out certain components or parts of a ship. Um, a lot of questions about how this will translate into the game as well. Say commotion. Uh, there's just a lot of debate going on in socials on the feelings about this. I, I love it. I love the idea of like just taking out the guns, not destroying the ship. Right? If you're trying to hold off an enemy, just take out the guns and then they can't hit you. I love the idea. Um, let's see it come to fruition first parts of a ship. You get the zoomed-in picture of your target, and it allows you to paint over specific components of the ship. So if you want to take out the thrusters, you simply aim towards the thrusters, and your gimbals will make sure the bullet lands exactly where you're aiming. It's a big rework of the entire target system, with the goal to make it not only fit master modes, but also fit the problems we've had with target in the past, which is to control the weapons and the accuracy. Since master modes is bringing everything closer together, and master modes is slowing everything down. We need to make sure that the weapon speeds are adjusted as well. It will reduce your fire rate. It will therefore decrease the spread and allow you to be more precise where you hit. Good examples for that is if you want to fire at a ship from very far away and you want to make sure that your shots hit. An even better example is 
if you have a light fighter and you wanna help take down a larger ship, you will not be able to take down the ship by yourself, but you can help other players by crippling the turrets with ballistic cannons, for example, and other subsystems. So that allows you to see better what you're currently targeting. What we're doing is we're bringing all weapons into free archetypes. We have the anti-fighter weapons that have higher fire rate and a higher velocity that allows you to hit targets such as a horde of gladiuses. And then we have the anti-material weapons. Anti-material weapons is the one you bring out when you and your friends want to hunt a hammerhead. It's got the highest damage of all the weapons. You want to deal as much damage as possible, but the target is big and it moves slow, so you don't have to worry as much about actually hitting the target. And then we have unspecialized weapons, which are in between the anti-fighters and the anti-materials. So this is better because it gives you a lot of options to how you want to attack the target. You can just, you know, spray and pray that your shots are going to hit, or you can go into the precision targeting mode, see all the sub-targets that you have available, and then pick out which of these sub-targets you actually want to attack. Next to basically seeing what you're actually hitting, you also just get the stunning view of that big ship that you're targeting, right? Like it's, it's, it's a full screen, zoomed in view on your target. You can see it in all its like glory. You can see all the parts you can shoot off. I think it's great. We've been really happy with the results so far. We've seen a massive difference in the way combat works and what the players are actually doing within combat. And that's been really good to see. There's still some small things we're working on right now to kind of solve, but we're really happy, you know, we're kind of most of the way there at the moment. The next big thing that the new aiming system has is the removal of the so-called N-1 system. That means that when you have a gimbal attached to a ship, the weapon attached to the gimbal goes down one size. At this point in time, after like lots of testing, we're pretty confident that we don't want the system anymore. So in the future, if you have a size 3 gimbal on your ship, it will carry a size 3 weapon. But we're actually going further with this because from 3 to 3 onwards, you will not be able to mount fixed guns on your ship anymore. In addition to that, all the turrets, however, will get gimbals. So this is a requirement because of the precision aiming mode, because the precision aiming mode we also want to be able to use on turrets, and we need a way to make the bullets fly where we want them to fly without cheating. So this means all turrets, they will get gimbals on their guns so they can properly lead. But to still keep turrets more powerful in terms of their weapon employing capabilities, and also because tur turrets cannot just you know jump on the way out of the way, the auto gimbal mode will be something that's exclusively available to turrets. So pilots will still be able to manually gimbal their weapons with you know either tying it to their controls or by looking around. But only turrets will be able to use the auto gimbal system because there's like turrets are supposed to be very, very dangerous. And so players just have the choice how to apply the damage the best. However, because auto gimbling is also in an assisted mode it will come with a reduction in fire rate, just to keep things things fair. So the uh, feedback, it has been going pretty well. We've been really happy with working with the community who's been playing this to kind of fine tune it and make the changes needed. And we have made a lot of changes based upon these feedback. Most of the feedback that we've been getting has been pretty positive around squadron battle, where there's some pretty good group combat dynamics players are reporting positively on. There's some really cool gameplay emerging, such as how players evade now is quite different. You have to drop chaff, break your target lock, break away, like find your opportunity to break away from your, your pursuing ship. What we can see at the moment is that players are very happy with squadron battles, 
players are not very happy with the one we won, so this is more an area where we have to improve. Of course, there are some very detailed feedbacks about uh, some tuning choices, how we should make some type of archetypes better rather than not. But in general, this is going to be mostly appreciated. The players are really enjoying the different roles that we've got. The interceptors are quite successful. There's been some pretty good feedback around the Buccaneer. We've probably still got a little bit of work to do around the Lightfire class and 1v1s, but other than that, it's been pretty good. It means you can, you can stay closer. You are much more in control of staying in a closer formation with, with other people that you're playing with. When we do our, our regular play tests, we can actually fly in our own version of a formation and we can track targets without being several kilometers off each other. That's your version of Our version of a formation is generally if we can see each other still and, and we're not accidentally shooting each other, I'd, I'd consider that a good formation. I'm not sure that's, I'm not sure that's the textbook definition of formation. I can see you and not crash into you. That's not a formation, Josh. It's, it's, it's a win if at least two of, of uh, four of us managed to make it away in one piece without any friendly fire incidents. So the thing that excites me the most about Master Modes is if you just watch the footage of players dogfighting at the minute, you can really see how close all of those ships are and it just feels so much more cinematic. It's really about the foundation of the, f of the whole flight experience moving forward because I fully understand that this isn't a game just about combat. We want to communicate that players who want to do combat, they'll go into the master mode for combat. But if you want to go from A to B, you've now got... So this is important and, and something I can't... I've been working to wrap my head around is getting in and out of master modes. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna rewind a couple of seconds. Um, but like, this is important. <laughs> this is very, very, very important to know getting in and out of master modes. Here we go. Got a mode where you can do that with just about combat. We want to communicate that players who want to do combat, they'll go into the master mode for combat. But if you want to go from A to B, you've now got a mode where you can do that without being harassed as much. <laughs> So that's going to be a big plus for the game. It's leveling the playing field a little bit more now. As we slowly breathe more life into each one of these ships, you're going to know. So it's called nav mode, like navigation mode. I saw that uh, on the user interface, it switched from um, like master mode to nav mode. But it's a way, it's almost like uh, New World, like turning off PvP. <laughs> uh, you're not turning off PvP, you're still susceptible to PvP but it's a way to, like they said, even the playing field. The ship at the back of your hand. People seem to like uh, how much more frantic and intimate all the fights are in the arena commander testing that we've done so far. And I'm looking forward to hearing people's thoughts once we've rolled it out across all the ships. Not everything that is in 323 you can see already in the master mode, AC mode. It's, um, there's a lot more stuff coming, especially to weapon treatment, how we use capacitors, etc. But overall, based on the feedback that we got so far and also from increasing player numbers, we're pretty confident that we're on the right track. So master modes and the gunnery system and the whole combat experience is a huge undertaking for us and we cannot do it without you. So we want you to play it. We need your feedback. Be honest. Tell us what you don't like. Please also tell, tell us what you like um, so we can make all this space combat game great together. So what we learned this week? Well, we learned that with master modes comes a rebalancing of ship performance into dedicated archetypes. That these archetypes are simply where tuning starts, 
and will be grown from to ensure that each ship and vehicle provides a unique experience going forward. And that precision targeting, weapon gimbal, and balance changes all combine with master modes to provide a more involved, visceral combat experience for pilots when they arrive in the upcoming Alpha 323. For Inside Star Citizen, I'm Jared Huckabee. Thanks for letting us share the process of game development with you, and we'll see you all here next week. Awesome. Uh, love it. I, I don't know. Again, I, I said my thoughts at the beginning of the Inside Star Citizen video. Um, I, I think it comes at a good time with... 323 especially with us getting into pyro which will be a pvp chaotic nightmare for a lot uh, of gamers but this will give us um a better like a better chance that sounds so weak <laughs> it, it'll just be a more involved experience i think when when players are having to um having to fight pvp like they're having to get out of their comfort zone when going to a planet system like pyro well, I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Beyond the Verse podcast. We went through a lot. We went through um, patch updates to CitizenCon news to the drama of the Idris to the new Capture the Idris event ending with this Master Modes uh, update from Inside Star Citizen. A lot of information, fast and furious. And that's it for episode 47. I hope this finds everybody well. If you are interested in becoming part of the conversation, you can email us at beyond or contact at beyondtheversehq.com. You can become part of our socials. That's all social media platforms forward slash BTV underscore cast. Make sure that you respond to our Spotify Q&A and polls. I will read all responses at the beginning of each episode. And then we will air the video format of the podcast uh, later in the afternoon on YouTube. And that's forward slash at BTV underscore cast. All of our links are in our bios. I hope this finds everybody well. Safe travels as you traverse beyond the verse. Thanks, everybody.